Coming up, today's guest sold his app for 5x his yearly revenues. He shares how he came up with the idea and how getting on the startup podcast led to his eventual acquisition. Also, you'll discover why he should have hired an M&A lawyer during negotiations, how he did research on his acquiring company, and finally, what he felt like after the sale. All that and so much more. The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Want to double your downloads using ASO? Check out appmastersacademy.com to discover our exact ASO strategies to grow your downloads. That's appmastersacademy.com. Want to advertise through Snapchat influencers at scale? Check out fanbytes.com and see why brands like Universal and Sony Music use them to market on Snapchat. Learn more at fanbytes.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com. Now, the place you go when you want action-packed content in the app business because I bring on awesome app entrepreneurs to tell their stories so that we can really, really learn from them. And I've got my daughter who just decided to come in right now. But today I've got an amazing guest. I've heard him on how to build, build to sell podcast and how I came across his name was through the Mixer G podcast. Really phenomenal story of somebody who built an app, really did some research on what app to build and ending, ended up selling that particular app in 2015. Well, without further ado, his name is Trevor McKendrick. He's an entrepreneur, and you can check him out at his new website, howitactuallyworks.com. It's a newsletter that he breaks down step-by-step how apps actually, he'll tell you better, but Trevor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Trevor, I'm a little distracted because she keeps saying hi, so I apologize for ruining that intro, but tell us a little (laughs) bit about how it actually works. Why did you decide to start this new venture? Yeah, I'm just always fascinated by kind of what happens publicly and what people talk about versus like what actually happens like behind the scenes and the actual things that matter. Like a quick example I give is like Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart. Everyone talks about like how we started Walmart. That's what founders are interested in. Mm -hmm. But what really mattered was like the 15 years he had in retail before he ever even opened the first Walmart. So I go on and I talk about stuff like that. I love that, man. And you were the one that recommended Upstarts, weren't you? Um, I have else? recommended that book okay. for Yeah, no, that, 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 that's kind of in the same vein. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was you because I, I think I heard it on a, a Mixergy podcast, but, uh, somebody said the upstarts and I'm actually reading that book and I, I love that. And it sort of is that realm of, man, I was like going through some time, like just recently right now, Trevor, and I was like, oh, you know, what am I doing with this business? How am I going to grow it? Like, is this the right move? And then kind of hearing those backstory of people like, oh, you know, it took 15 years to actually build this. And it's like, oh, you know what? Everybody goes through this. Just chill out, Steve. Like, this is just a part of the journey. Yeah, everyone, every, every, you know, everyone's um, looks like they got all their shit together. I don't know if right. I can swear. Uh, all their okay. stuff together um, on the on the outside, but on the inside, even for the most successful companies, it's just like chaos, and no one quite knows what they're doing, and and uh, things like that. So yeah, that's what I that's what I try and write about and link to in my newsletter. And I'll go into the the Spanish language Bible app in a little bit, but and why I really wanted to bring you onto the show, but. I feel like it's something that continuously continuously needs to be 
sort of brought out because I go through this all the time, man. Like every time I feel down, like it's always encouraging to hear the story. Like I've read a ton of different books and every single time it almost hits me at the right time to hear the biography. So I love reading about autobiographies, biographies, because everybody goes through pretty much the same stuff, all the successful entrepreneurs. Yeah, I, it's true. And uh, one of the things that I – one of the recent uh, issues of the newsletter, uh, I went through and I looked up, I looked up like these big names like um, – I, I can't remember all of them. But you know, people like uh, uh, Walt Disney or Thomas Edison and Henry Ford or whoever. And I looked up when they were like first mentioned in the New York Times because yeah. um, now like their names are associated. Like they have like this, this aura around them. They're like a brand, right? But so I went and looked up like the first time they were mentioned in the New York Times. And it's always like, you know, halfway in the back of the paper, like they're kind of a throwaway sentence used for a quote. Like they were like nobodies. And at the time that no one cared about them, they weren't interesting. And my point being that they started in the same place as like everybody else. So yeah. I think I think it's totally true. I think it's people uh, something that people could, uh, you know, it's uh, good to remember on your day to day grind. That's awesome, man. And I'm a, I'm a subscriber, so I really love it. You guys got to check it out. So it's howitactuallyworks.com. But Trevor, why I really wanted to bring you onto the show was tell me about this Spanish language Bible app. How did you come up with this idea to build this app? Yeah, so um, uh, I can go into the details you want, but uh, I was just trying to make uh, a couple, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month, five, six hundred dollars a month to help pay our rent. And uh, I had a background in tech, but I wasn't a developer. And I and uh, I was like, I think I'm going to make an app. I had a, a buddy, uh, a relative that was making a ton of money in the app store. And I was like, I know way more about Apple and way more about tech than you do. Like, what 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 is this? And uh, so I so the idea came. I was like, I'm going to make an app. What app should I make? And all I did um, was I scrolled through the app store listings, and people know that you know they have like the app store rankings. And it, they ha- it literally ranks apps by how much money they're making, mm-hmm. which to me is like really important, uh, really important data. Like you go to a website, you have no idea how much money they're making, but in the app store, it's just like right there. And so I looked for apps that had ranked well, which they were making money, but that sucked. They were had bad reviews. They were, you know, they were poorly made. And it turned out that there was uh, some Spanish Bible apps that um, were going to fit that fit that mold. And I was lucky; I happened to speak Spanish. Okay. Um, but but I but I saw that and uh, like I think I'm I'm going to go for this. And 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 uh, and that's that's kind of where the idea came from. So you were looking at the top charts, and you're just seeing the top grossing. Were you segmenting by different countries, or were you looking at the top charts in the U.S.? Just in the U.S., um, the charts that pop up um, in your phone are based on – I haven't looked at it for a while. But you, like, I think on the country settings in your phone. And so once I was in the app store um, or, and I had some success, some success, I would change that setting and go look at the rankings or whatever or do, or do it like an app figures. But initially it was all just in the U.S. And that's something that people – people a lot of times assume that most of my, my downloads were from Spanish-speaking countries. But the vast majority, I think it was 50 to 80 percent were in the U.S., so, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's where originally where I looked. So like to bring it up to date, cause I was back in what, 2012 timeframe that you were doing this. Yeah. That's when I launched. Yep. Yep. So like to back to, up to date for the current listeners, like I'm in app adding right now, I'm looking at the top charts, I'm in the top grossing and you can filter to, you can see the top 500. And so I guess Trevor, if you were doing this today, you might look at the top 500, apps out there and then maybe you know like filter out of games like no games right like i don't know like personally that's what i would do and then look at the (laughs) ones that have like game filter out of games and social networking and then figure out the ones that don't have 
as high of a rating that you might expect, like the lower than a four, for instance. Would that be correct? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Go on to yeah, go on to App Annie, and then I would even so like the you know the top grossing overall is like super competitive. So I looked in every category is what uh. I did, and uh, and I didn't have this data at the time, but it would be useful now to go. Um, and actually, I haven't looked at, looked at this for a while, but there was a company, I think it was called Destimo, that they would do, they put out data about how much money the apps in each category were making. Because, like, the games category, obviously, if you rank number 10 there, you're making way more money than, let's say, like, the number one right. app in the books category, right? Right. And so, and so it's important to know, like, if you, you know, if you're, like, in the education category or whatever, like, it's important to know that the, it takes you have to rank a lot higher to be making the same amount of money as ranking like way down in like games, for example, is the classic. And so, anyways, the point being that like just kind of know know what the uh, the relative amount of money is in that category before you go in and assume a ranking means that they're making money. Because someone, you know, if you're ranking, you know, you know, two three hundred in like I don't know education or books, you're probably not making that much money. Versus someone in games, you're, you're making a ton of money at that level. You know, we hear the success story, Trevor, of somebody who built an app, did a little bit of research, and then ended up selling it. What were like? Do you remember the pivotal points or the the points where it's like, okay, this was this became a legitimate business? Yeah, the biggest moment. There was two moments really. Was one the first day when I launched it, and uh, it happened to make money just by itself by launching it. It wasn't a ton of money, but it was like, oh, okay, this is like a thing. And at the, at the time, it didn't feel like that big of a deal. But looking back, it was because most people don't make any money when they launch. Yeah. Um, and then the second moment was when I included. So originally, the app was a uh, 99 cent download. The second, I released a second app that was identical, um, but it was $5 and it included an audiobook of the Bible. Um, and that like massively increased my revenue overnight. And so when that happened, it was like, oh, this is like a. This is like a thing now. This is, I mean, this is like, it was way, it was more than my full-time income at that point. Wow. That's awesome. And how did you know to build the audio book version of it? Same thing. The, the competitors that I looked at that had crappy apps, they also ha all had audio versions. And oh. I was like, well, that's, that's not too, too hard to add. So I went ahead and did that. Well, that must've been a big investment or was it? It was. So yeah, I guess. Uh-oh up um i found an audio studio in peru uh to record the whole bible they literally, literally read the entire bible out loud twice because i needed two different versions um it took them four months for each version and this is a good lesson about like just negotiating right. so i found these guys on elanth now upwork um which i still highly recommend you can find lots of great talent there and I originally had this huge I, I didn't think anyone would do the whole Bible. And so I originally had this plan where I was gonna have individuals record like each chapter and then I'd all put it together myself and I was like, this is gonna suck, but I just have to do it. And then this one firm was like, Oh, we'll we'll do it for you. We'll, we'll do the whole thing. I was like, Okay, and they're like I'm like, How much? And like thirty thousand dollars and I'm like, That's not gonna work. <laughs> uh uh, having the whole app is not even made close to that amount of money yet because this was only a couple months in. Yeah. And so I was like, but this would be really nice if they would do it. And, you know, I could tell they weren't like, they weren't like some, I mean, they were, they had good work and they, they've been in business for a while, but they weren't like this huge operation. Right. So like 30 grand, I was like, uh, that's maybe like a little high on their side. And so I was like, well, what if you guys did it for like seven? And they're like, okay. Oh, <laughs> I was wow. like, oh, I was like, oh, okay. That's awesome. 
And I just threw out a number. I was like, if they, if it was like high enough that I think they might still say yes, but low enough that I would feel comfortable with it. And uh, they said yes. And his only caveat was like, he's like, yeah, we can do it. It might take a little longer because we have other projects we might need to give priority to. But he's he's like, it might take you know three or four months. I was like, that's fine. And uh, and and we were off to the races. That ended up being like, yeah, one of the smartest things that I did. Do you regret not saying a, a lower number? No, <laughs> no, be- no, because. It was it was so much more important to get the audio like a quality recorded thing of the Bible that, um, you know, what if he had said no or something? And, the, and you know, and at that point, only a couple thousand dollars in either direction isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, had you made at least that much by that time? That investment. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome, man. Congrats on that. So that that was a big difference. Did you try to like? Did you in terms of like ASO and keyword research? Were you doing any of that stuff too? Yeah, so this is uh, that's kind kind of detail stuff that I'm not uh, I don't remember all of the details, but yeah, but yes, I was definitely doing that, especially like when we released uh, the audio, like the separate app. Um, I was okay, using some of the keywords from the first app, but including like audio keywords and uh, and filtered around uh, a little bit with that. I don't know if I have any great um, tips looking back now for your listeners, but yeah, I definitely messed around with that. That's awesome. The the audiobook now from a technical standpoint i try to stay away from this stuff because i'm not too technical and i don't like I, my i live for the marketing side of things and the growth side of things but from a technical perspective was it just a download like a mp3 that they could just play or did you have to build an audio player in the app yeah so it was it was an, yeah we built an audio player into the app okay um and they had yeah the, the audio was just hosted on i think it was aws but yeah it was uh the um you we built an audio player and you just played it in the app and you could just like a podcast you know you can skip chapters you can skip books you know it'll play in your pocket when you turn the phone off that kind of stuff right really cool really cool okay so how did you go about selling it like did was it something that you always thought like hey i'm gonna build this app and then i'm gonna eventually sell it no not at all i didn't even think people would like someone would want to buy it like that was kind of a weird concept to me um and i, I never went about trying to sell it which i think is in important for people to realize and something else I talked about in my newsletter about how like success is, um, kind of, if you like try and go and do something directly, a lot of times it doesn't work out that way. And so you have to like have an open mind. But anyway, I saw a tweet from a podcast that I really liked called the startup podcast. Mm -hmm. And they were looking, they, they did, um, they're looking for stories from their listeners who are entrepreneurs. And I, emailed them and I was like, Hey, I am the, the quote unquote atheist Bible salesman. Um, th- I'm selling, I don't, you know, I, I was raised uh, Mormon and I don't really believe in that any- anymore, but I have this Bible app and there's kind of this conundrum and they thought that was interesting. So they put me on their podcast and that just got like a ton of publicity. I ended up being like on, or talked about me on, like on Fox news and all these other shows. Yeah. And then because of that, the acquirer heard about me and then they reached out to me. Interesting. What did they say? He just said, hey, uh, introduced himself. He's like, this is who I am. He like immediately pointed to his LinkedIn because he wanted he, he wanted to like legitimate, legitimate, legitimize himself. Yep. Like I'm not just some crazy, some crazy person. And he's like, I'd love to just chat and, you know, like to acquire an app. Um, maybe we can just chat and see if there's anything there. Very like low key, very casual. And I had heard of this company. So this is a public company. They're listed on the NASDAQ. Um, I had heard of them a couple years before because they had acquired some other websites in like the Christian media space. 
And I, you know, I was pouring through their kind of their filings and learning about these acquisitions. And uh, I was like, oh, like, these are decent amounts. And, that, you know, that could be interesting one day. And so I hadn't thought about them in years. And then the guy's email pops up. And so I immediately knew that it was like a legitimate uh, inquiry uh-huh. uh, because I had seen that they'd done a lot of prior similar acquisitions. That's cool. And then I remember from, I'm going to link up the Mixer G podcast and the Built to Sell podcast as well, because I think there's some really good insights that I don't want to go you know, duplicate. But you did say something in the Built to Sell that when you were looking through the filings, you noticed something too. You remember that story? Uh uh, that was a couple years ago. Remind me, then I can finish it for you. Man, I was trying to remind. I was trying to hope that you remembered, but you saw <laughs> something in the filings that you kind of just said, "Okay, this is legitimate." And did you think that this was an acquisition talk, or were you kind of like, how are you sort of angling that conversation? That yeah. So I mean, when yeah, yeah. So when I was looking in the filings, it was just that it was like, oh, these companies are selling for good amounts, and they're you know th- this company was buying. But- it was obvious. They put it right in their 10K. They're buying, you know, Facebook groups, email list, apps, website, like any digital asset you can imagine. Mm. And so I didn't have to steer the conversation at all, like, or at least in terms of an acquisition. Like when they reached out to me, he literally said, he's like, we'd, we'd, we'd like to buy your app. It was just very oh, straightforward. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I knew who they were and it was like, oh yeah, like this totally checks out. And uh, so we just, you know, we started talking from there. That's cool. How was the negotiation process? If you can share anything. Very painful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually can. So part of the, one of my favorite things to tell people is that, so they do so many of these acquisitions that kind of use their boilerplate docs. And part of it is like this NDA that you can't really talk about the sale or anything. And I wanted to be able to talk about it. And so one of the sticking points for the negotiation for like two weeks was like, can I tell people about the sale? And uh, eventually I got that. I, I was able to do that, but it was, um, it was hard because they were doing a lot of deals at the time and I wasn't like the number one priority and my wife and I were like traveling at the time. So the whole process from first email to, to, to the wire transfer ended up being like seven months, which is kind of ridiculous for how big of a, an acquisition this was. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you negotiate kind of price first, um, at least I did with these guys and then all this other stuff. And yeah, it was just kind of a, it's kind of a pain in the butt to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, the seven months. What were you thinking like during that time? Were you kind of like, were you trying to say, all right, I'm gonna still grow this thing just in case it doesn't happen? Or what? What? Take me back to that process, like in your mind, what's happening? Well, I I had you know kind of at that point I was ready to sell. I kind of wanted to be done and move on to my next thing. I wasn't really super into like you know the Spanish Christian media space, <laughs> not exactly like my passion or whatever. And so like when they offered to sell and it was a, it was a good price. I was like, yes, like I absolutely want to do this. There's no reason not to do this. And so I was nervous the whole time and I just, I just wanted to sell it. Like I was just like, and I kind of didn't really have like alternative plans with the app or anything. I was like, this just has to work, Uh, which I do not recommend to anybody. You should never assume the sales going to go through until you get the wire transfer. And, um, I, you know, tried to, to, you know, to, to just, you know, get it there as, as quickly as possible without kind of annoying them and kind of letting them drive it since they were the bigger company. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, yeah, but I was, I was, I was more than happy to, to sell it. People ask me if I ever regret selling and I don't regret it for a second. What, what was the biggest lesson from selling that you would take away from it? A big deal, but I think I would have gotten, so I ended, I hired an M&A attorney, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, kind of, I would say, I don't know, 40%, 30% that way uh, into the process. And I might have, I might have hired them a little earlier. Um, I was just like afraid of having like this huge legal bill, which I don't know, maybe it's kind of silly, but I would have brought them in earlier just to be part of the original negotiations instead of being part of, because there's like, there's the, you negotiate the, um, like kind of the letter in, of intent. And then once you agree on that, then they, they give you the, this huge, uh, asset purchase agreement, which is like, you know, 50 pages of, of legalese. And so I hired someone to help me do that part, but I didn't hire someone for negotiating with the LOI. And I maybe I, I would, I'd probably do that in the future. And that lawyer, was it a flat rate or was it just part of the sale? Like a percentage of the sale? It was it was a it was uh it was a flat rate okay. and I it was a, it was an M&A attorney that I had been introduced to by another entrepreneur friend, um who I and I actually I talked to I think I talked to two M&A attorneys before I decided on one, um, but um but yeah it was someone that I I I, I like and I could tell that he was because this this was not a big I mean he does huge you know nine figure deals all the time so this thing was like not a big deal for him mm-hmm. but I could tell that he was like he wasn't gonna like nickel and dime me. And he wasn't, he kind of, I could tell he was, it was like an investment in a future relationship for him, even though it ended up being, you know, a, a decent legal bill for me. Um, and I, I appreciated that. And he gave good advice. And I remember at, at the end, I was like, I, like they came back with this final thing and I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to agree to this, but I just want to be done. I just want to be over. And so I told him, I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to sign it. It was the last thing I'm done. And he's like, okay, that's fine. Look, can I just call and, and talk to you about this? I won't charge you anything extra. Let me just talk you through this and then we'll be good. So I really appreciate that He was kind of like aware that I was trying not to spend a, whole, a huge amount of money on, on legal fees. That's really cool, man. What, so I know this is something that you get into a little bit in the built to sell. And this is what he likes asking a lot of is talk to me about like the, the cash, like, is it, was it, what was the sale price if you can share it? And then were you able to get most of it upfront in terms of cash? Um, so I got all of it. Well, I got, 95% of it on the day of closing. Nice. Uh, and it ended up being 5x revenue. So it was it was it was pretty good especially for an app. Um and uh yeah, I was really happy that they had like a small piece that they paid me a year later cuz we had an agreement that I do like 100 hours of uh basically consulting and like if they had questions they want to be able to talk to me. Right. And I agree I agreed 100 hours cuz I was like there's no way they're ever going to use all those 100 hours. They ended up using like 15 of them or something um and it was really easy to work to and work with and the guy that they was in charge of the apps was really nice so that wasn't a big deal at all but yeah that's that's how it played out that's awesome man congrats on that what has changed like what how did you feel when the money hit your account like what's changed after that <laughs> yeah so i mean it was good i did everyone you know takes a screenshot or whatever and my wife was out of town so i went to in and out by myself <laughs> here in texas to here to celebrate so i have a picture the day of the exit i'm by myself with uh, in in and out like living the dream um it's been it's i mean it's been good it's been nice we've been able to travel and, and do fun stuff like that so it's it was it was a good outcome anything that you splurged on i did i took a uh this kind of random but since you asked um i'm a big uh beethoven fan classical music fan and uh it happened that and two, two of my favorite pieces of his, his are these two symphonies and uh in austria in vienna they were doing there was a concert of these two symphonies in the original hall where beethoven himself had premiered them um and so i flew out there kind of on a whim to and got front row tickets and just wanted to kind of be there and, and watch that so that was kind of fun that's awesome man i think i'll probably buy like really sick 
Hamilton tickets and just take my wife. And yeah, <laughs> that's totally. what I would do right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, uh, absolutely. So, talk to me about like I'm always curious because you know I think I grew up in the Bay Area. And that that's always been the end goal for anybody. I I don't know. Assuming that for me, it's like okay, you build a company, you eventually sell it. What happens in between? Like, what happens between you selling the the Bible app to now starting how it actually works? That's a great question. Uh, I have chats with you know other entrepreneur friends about this kind of all the time and it's just it's kind of figuring out what you want to do next you know do you want to start up your own thing do you want to work with somebody else and 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 trying different things and and not you know as much as you can not um being afraid of of failure and one thing i've learned is that uh any like even any modicum of success like it's kind of associated with your identity and you become like what am i trying to say like you don't want to lose that you don't want to look dumb and so you take you sometimes you take fewer chances which is kind of ridiculous and so and you see this with really i mean i can't imagine like really successful people like failing publicly after you've been successful i mean that, that just has to like loom large in people's minds because sometimes you people wonder like oh like once you've been really successful like why like why is it so hard to you know why like they must not worry about anything or they, you know it must be like so much easier and it's like no because now they have like this reputation to protect now they have to like they you know if they have like an audience now they like feel like they have to like play to this audience versus like trying a new thing what if they try a new thing and, and their audience doesn't like that and that could be your audience as a blogger or as a musician or whatever right and so there's always like this dichotomy between like how much do i keep doing the thing i was doing and how much do i try something new and and potentially fail and so that's kind of been something that i've been that i've been working through you know i, I was reading the i'm reading the book the the upstarts and I know Trevor, I don't know, I'm going to butcher his last name, but the guy who he was the CEO of Uber, he's talking about just like, you know, he sold his first company. He's like, I'm less afraid now. So you, are you telling me like, Trevor, like you, you, yeah, you guys have the same name, but you guys, do you, well, his, name, his name's afraid? Travis. Oh, Travis. That's right. Travis. Travis was saying that he was less afraid now. He's like, now I got some, you know, I think he sold it for like 18 million or something, but now I'm less afraid. Let's let's just go crazy on this. Were you kind of feeling like, okay, the next thing I have to do has to be a success now? Or did you feel that little bit like, all right, I got some money. I got some wiggle room now. Let me go after something really big. Yeah, I mean, Travis, I mean, Travis is like in a whole separate category from, from most people. Um, and that's, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak to his, his motivations. This, you know, this could be one of those things where, you know, on the outside, um, you know, people put up this amazing front and this, you know, this, um, it's, you know, the shield of strength or whatever. And they, they, you know, that they always know what they're doing. Everything's really intentional. Whereas maybe behind the scenes, like things aren't quite as certain and, you know, fear is maybe a lot higher than they would let you on. So, um, you know, obviously I can't speak to his motivations, but I wouldn't be surprised if like that were the case in the back of like any entrepreneur trying something new, whether it's big or, or small. Um, Yeah. What talk to me about like how it actually works? Like, what are you trying to do with this besides obviously providing great content? Is it more of like, hey, I'm gonna really build up an audience and then you know, maybe something else happens after this? But when from a monetization standpoint, from a business standpoint, like, what are you thinking when it comes to how it actually works? 
Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's almost like a hobby, really. It's I'm not super interested in monetizing it. I'm not thinking about that. I'm just trying to I'm trying to put something good out once a week, whether it's my writing or whether it's linking to other pieces that I think people will find useful and interesting. Um, if it turns into a business, great, but that's kind of it's not really my at least not my intention yet, and or now, and uh, and that's okay. I just kind of wanted a, a cadence of of putting things out there, and and it's worked pretty well for that so far. Really cool. And Trevor, you're, you're selling in Austin area? Yes. Yeah. We moved to Austin just right before I sold the apps, actually. Very cool. And then your birthday's coming up, man. That's the day of this recording. <laughs> um, birthday. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's coming. Yeah. Birthday's coming up in a couple of days. Thanks. Very cool. Mine's the 17th of April. So oh, well, there you go. There you go. Yours is Friday the 13th, man. <laughs> How are you going to celebrate? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't even uh, I didn't realize that. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's only because my son was like, what's Great. Friday the 13th? And then he's like, hey, you know, there's Friday the 13th coming up this month. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome, yeah. Trevor. Anything else you want to cover before we hit the big finish? No, this has been really great. It's uh, been a lot of fun talking. Yeah, same here. Well, before we hit the big finish, I want to thank my sponsor for this episode as my daughter is in the background, fanbytes.com. If you guys are looking to work with influencers on Snapchat, then check out Fanbytes. They work with phenomenal clients of mine and also others where they they use influencers that have millions of followers and they have a secret ad sandwich formula where the influencer comes on, and it talks a little bit about the app, and then they see the little bit of the ad, quote-unquote ad video of the app, and then lastly, they tell them to take a call to action in the app as well. And that has we have seen some really good success with some of the clients that we sent over, and we've been working closely together as well. So if you're ready to drive some downloads using Snapchat influencers, then check out Fan Bytes with the, the geeky way of spelling bytes, not the eating way of selling bytes, but Fan Bytes. Dot com. Trevor, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. What is one app we definitely have to check out? So I'm going to recommend an app that you kind of have to get access to, but it's an awesome app. So if you can get in, you got to do it. But it's an email client called Superhuman. And it's, uh, it's a, a new startup uh, out of the Bay Area. And it is like the best email client that I've ever used. It's super fast. They have everything scared around like keyboard shortcuts. So you can like, you don't have to use your mouse for your, for your email. So if you get like a ton of email, it is, uh, it's awesome. I highly recommend it. So superhuman.com is the website. Wow. That's awesome. What were you using before? Uh, Outlook on my phone and just Gmail on my computer. Interesting. Okay. So that's why I asked because I, I love Outlook. I haven't used it, anything else. But whenever I hear somebody talking about a another email client, I'm like, oh, all right, what were you using before? So you, you that's awesome, dude. Okay. Now I'm sold. I already put it in my email address. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. What's the one takeaway that you want the audience to leave with? Just do something. Stop reading. Stop thinking just pick something and start doing it and you know if you if you're kind of risk adverse like me you know it doesn't take a lot of money sometimes you can or a lot of times you can just use your time but just start doing something start talking to potential customers and 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 put it out there because until you put it out there nothing's happened well go sign up for how it actually works at howitactuallyworks.com trevor's awesome newsletter where he breaks down step by step in detail how things actually work and things actually grow Trevor, any, anywhere else you want the audience to follow up with you on? Nope, that's great. Howitactuallyworks.com is awesome. Awesome. Well, if you got anything out of this, find a way to thank the guests. Reach out to them like I did. I was like, dude, that was a great interview. And find a way to thank them. Trevor, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, this. Steve.
Thank you Appreciate all for listening. It. And we'll see you at the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.